a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 14, Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. Do you know how many birthdays there are a year? There are hundreds. Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary premiering October 19th. 2003 and look i'm not gonna sit here and bullshit you this is easily one of my favorite episodes i think one of the best aqua teen episodes it's just so silly so absurd and they hit on this really specific demographic with this episode but even if you don't know who zach wilde is you don't know who rush is or getty lee you will still enjoy this episode because it's just got so much going on for it i love it whenever aqua teen showcases an original song that they have for the show for example, in the MCP Pants episode, the Super Sirloin episode, however, this episode, while MC Chris is a production assistant on the episode, he is not involved with the song, the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song. And I like that, you know, yeah, they're showcasing a song here, but it's not a hip-hop song. They're going in a more rock direction on it, which is very funny, especially for the, for the context of what this song is supposed to be. But all right, before I keep rambling on forever about this episode, we've got some other stuff to talk about, as always. Aqua Teen News this week, I got some good stuff for you. The next Adult Swim Festival was announced, and this time it's a block party from August 5th through the 7th of this year, 2022, and it's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, so if you're in that area, you'd be a fool, you'd be a dummy not to go to this. Unfortunately, I am not in that area, would love to go, but yeah, if you're around to go for me, I will live vicariously through you. Tickets are on sale as of this recording, so obviously once you hear it, you can buy some tickets to that. There's all sorts of stuff. They have music. Uh, notably here, they have Death Clock playing their first time in three years. The uh, cartoon band from the show Metalocalypse. But there's also Run the Jewels, uh, a bunch of other people I'm not familiar with. But uh, of note here, there are some live adult swim panels. We have one for Rick and Morty, one for Smiling Friends, and then of our interest, one for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. This all at the Punchline Philly. Now, if there will be ways to watch any of this online, we don't know yet. On their website, in the Frequently Asked Questions section, there is a Where Can I Watch the Global Stream of Panels and Select Performances from this event. It says coming soon. So if you can't go, safe to say, I assume that they'll be streaming this in some capacity. So more information on that as it comes. But what I'm really excited to talk about here, and shout out to Dan the Man, who runs the Adult Swim Out of Context Twitter page, at Adult Swim No Con for spotting this information in the frequently asked questions. If you click on the what are the adult swim panels, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force one is subtitled Plantasm. P-L-A-N-T-A-S-M. So is that what the movie is called? Uh, we're not really sure. I did email Dana Snyder asking him like, look, man, I understand you probably can't tell me either way. But if you could tell me, is this the name of the movie? He responded saying no clue. So I mean, obviously, I don't know if he really does have no clue. I'd assume he can't say, but I figured it was worth a shot because he did confirm when Aquadonk was dropping alongside MC Chris a few weeks ago. Anyways, here is the synopsis for the Aqua Teen Hunger Force panel. Aqua Teen Hunger Force is forever and they are back. 
Join the cast and crew for a panel and first look of the second movie adaptation of one of the most beloved Adult Swim original series. Now, what's interesting here is, as I said earlier, this block party is taking place in August, and this says that they are giving a first look at the film. So this definitely confirms the film will not be out before August. Again, Dave Willis has been saying, as I said in a previous podcast episode, that the movie is expected to come out sometime around November. So this just really lends to that, that, that we shouldn't be expecting it early summer. Who knows? Maybe it still could. But on Adult Swim's website, it is saying that this will be the first look at it in August. So there's that. And again, maybe the film is called Plantasm. Why is it subtitled this? The other panels aren't subtitled. The Rick and Morty one just says all new Rick and Morty. And then the Smiling Friends one says we are the Smiling Friends. But the Aqua Teen Hunger Force one is subtitled Plantasm. So I'm assuming that's what it's going to be called. And from what we know about the film, if, if you haven't heard me discuss it before, is Frylock goes to work for some Amazon type company. And then, you know, he leaves the he leaves the Aqua Teens to go do that. But then eventually the gang gets back together. And I assume that they have to stop the Jeff Bezos like character who has been confirmed to be in the film. And so maybe like there's like a plant where they're making all this stuff for the for the Amazon like company. I believe it's called Amazon or something like that. Who knows? Uh, maybe this is just a random subtitle to confuse people. You never know what to expect with this kind of thing, with Adult Swim in particular, with Aqua Teen in particular. But yeah, there is that subtitle there, Plantasm. Who knows what it means? Beyond that, of course, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force Complete DVD collection was released. I talked about that in the previous episode where I interview Megan Rooney, a lawyer, about Revenge of the Trees. So if you didn't listen to that episode, definitely check it out. And also, I want to mention, check the link in the show notes for the YouTube video I made last week comparing the two cuts of Rabot that we officially have. Now, I actually learned, I didn't know this, but I learned that... The stealth version that aired in December of 2000 that only aired once, it was recorded and you can watch it online. I had no clue. I believe in the Rabbit episode of this podcast, I said it's lost forever or something because from what I saw at that time, it wasn't available, but it looks like in 2015, somebody uploaded it. So it's definitely out there. You can check out the Rabbit episode that aired in 2000, the rough cut, but also, yeah, uh, feel free to check out my video comparing the earlier draft of Rabbit to the official version of it. And just seeing how that episode evolved, all that fun stuff. It really was a great learning lesson there. And at some point, I will go back and re-record the Rabbit episode of this podcast. Partly because I've just gotten so much more information now that I feel like is worth sharing. And also because I feel like a lot of my early episodes kind of sucked. I mean, they weren't awful, but would love to go back and re-record everything at some point. But if you didn't check out that video, let me give you a little tidbit that I give in the video that I didn't know. And that is that Space Ghost was originally going to be in... The Rabot episode, he was going to save the day. He was going to kill the Rabot for the Aqua Teens. And just such a good move for them to not do that. To, to have the Aqua Teens uh, quote, uh, a lot of quotations here, stop the Rabot. You know, of course they didn't really, but with their own stupidity. That's what the show would really become is, is just these dumbass characters. I'm glad that they ditched Space Ghost there because that would have really hindered the show and what it would become. The show would be completely different if they stuck with that. But all right, last little bit of housekeeping here. The Carl sticker giveaway, the holographic sticker of Carl pooping is over. Of course, all the winners have been contacted. So congratulations to those who won. And yeah, definitely we'll be doing giveaways in the future. And I want to say I am printing more of those Carl stickers. Basically, somebody who was supposed to get one, they didn't get it for some reason. I'm not entirely sure what happened. So I had to print more for them. So I'm printing 20 more because a lot of people were like, hey, can I just buy one or can I have one? I'm like, oh, I only made so many. So if you would like to purchase one for a small fee, feel free to get in contact and, and maybe I'll, I'll give more away at some other point. We'll see here. 
But all right, last but not least, Alex has sent us a voice message. Let's give it a listen. Hello, my name's the Alex Tool Studio, but you can call me Alex. I've been the Spanish show for like last December, and I've been enjoying the show and the, this podcast. My favorite episode has to be when Carl turned to a clown. Oh, that was funny. Oh, also the moon tonight, yeah. And I've been liking your podcast. My dad's been loving this show since he was a teenager or something. But keep up the good work. Alex, thank you for your voice message. Alex saying that his favorite episodes are the clowning, as well as the Moon and Night episodes, which, hey, can't go wrong with those. The clowning one I'm excited to talk about. I feel like off the top of my head, I can't remember a ton about it, but the more I sit and think about it, I remember there's some very uh, notable scenes from that one, particularly involving making out, so excited to get to that. Alex also saying that his dad is a fan of Aqua Teen, which, I mean, what a time to be alive now. We've got dads who are into the show, and before we know it, there will be grandparents into the show as, as we all age, which is a little depressing to think about. But hey, that's what this episode of Aqua Teen is all about. Every year, the spirit deep within the cycle of life is alerted, the creature thus be born, the creature thus be formed. Alex, thank you for your voice message here. If you would like to send in your own voice message, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden or check the show notes. I wrote it out for you. Save you some time. Save you uh, some valuable, precious moments from your life not having to type that bad boy out. You can just click and leave me your voice message. Your favorite Aqua Teen episode, your origin story with Aqua Teen, whatever you gotta say, I wanna hear it. But all right, let's stop thinking about getting old. Let's think about being younger what was going on about 20 years ago, October 19th, 2003, when this episode aired? What the heck was popular when we were younger? Or maybe you weren't even born yet. Or maybe you were older than. What? That's not possible. Don't fucking lie to me. Let's check it out. Rebooting itself all the way to the top of the box office this week with a chainsaw in hand and leather on its face, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming at you in 2003. Scoot over, 1974 classic. Who needs you? We got a gorier version for a hipper, trendier audience. The fifth entry in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, and actually the second of three reboots, it has since been rebooted yet again on February 18th of 2022 this year. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'm sure you've heard of it. I was looking up how these films compared to each other. So we have the original 1974 version with a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, which is a really good score for a horror film. Then we have this 2003 version with a 6.2 out of 10, still not bad. And then we have the 2022 version that came out this year with a 4.8 out of 10, not too hot, but honestly not that crazy for a horror film. While I've never seen this film, I have played against the, the character Leatherface or Bubba in the game Dead by Daylight, which I've talked about before on this podcast. It has all sorts of classic horror film mascots in it that you can play as and you, and you kill the, the other players who are like the survivors trying to survive against you. This character very annoying in that game because he has a really strong one-shot kill potential. So what people will do is play this character. They'll secure their first hook. Basically, you have to unhook the other players, the, the, the survivors in the match. What they'll do is they'll, they'll hook one person and they'll just sit there with the chainsaw until that one person dies. And it's very annoying. Now, if you're a skilled player, you're like, hey, that's what he's going to do. We just got to, you know, do, it, do what else we got to do to get out of this level and beat this guy. But a lot of people don't know to do that. And they'll try and like save their friend. And then he'll just down that person instantly. It's very cheap. So because of that, fuck you, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because of all this, I am very glad to announce that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003 film, does not share any cast or crew with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. 
Good riddance. I actually also checked the 70s version and the 2022 version of the film too to see if they shared any cast or crew. They do not. I, I didn't go through and check all the other movies because there's a ton of other movies in this franchise. And I should mention too that this 2003 version, it brought in a cool 28 million on this weekend. So I might not like it for very petty, unfair, stupid reasons, but it made some good cash. I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 version is doing just fine without me. Moving on to our music this week, our top album again is Speaker Box, The Love Below by OutKast. This week selling 235,000 units. We talked about it back in the Revenge of the Trees episode, and I'm really kicking myself here, really upset with myself that I didn't think, hey, this album, we're talking about it twice. I should have talked about just the Speaker Box portion in the last episode and just the Love Below portion in this episode. Instead, I front-loaded you. I threw all this info at you. I apologize. Should have planned ahead. But yeah, if you didn't hear Revenge of the Trees and you want to hear me talk about that album, go check out that episode. Our singles this week are the same as they have been. We have Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul and So Far Away by Stained, which we've talked about both of those before. There weren't any releases this week that I like was really into, so I just checked the Billboard charts real quick. I could see in the number two position of the just general Billboard Hot 100 singles, we have Shake Your Tail Feather, which we've also talked about by Nelly, P. Diddy, and Murphy Lee. Number three, we have Get Low by Lil Jon and the East Side Boys featuring Yin Yang Twins. Club anthem right there, Get Low, love it. Scrolling down a little bit, I can see in the number 38 position for this week, we have Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. I thought this song was older for some reason, but apparently it came out May 19th, 2003, so it's a relatively new song at this point. Stacy's Mom, she's got it going on. Let me tell you, I feel bad for any woman named Stacy because that would have been an awful time to be alive. But all right, that's it for our music this week. Of course, we'll have a lot of music chat in the episode of Aqua Teen itself. So moving on to our video games, we got two, uh, I guess, stinkers of, of games, but I, I felt would be fun to talk about. First up on the 14th, we have the Haunted Mansion uh, based on you know Disney's Haunted Mansion. And what I want to mention here is a month later, the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion film will come out, but this game seemingly doesn't really have anything in common, both based on the Disney attraction, but yeah, we have two different things coming out about this attraction, but neither of them seem to be related to each other in a way, so kind of cool there. Otherwise, I watched some footage of the Haunted Mansion game, didn't look super interesting. Moving on to our next game, we have Celebrity Deathmatch coming out as well on the 14th of October, 2003, and this game... Yeah, it, it didn't do well critically, but when I watch videos of it, a ton of people in the comments like, this game was my childhood, I love this game so much, and that's what you really miss, I feel like, with game reviews, is that while something might not have been great critically, people still probably liked it, especially kids. You know, when I was a kid, I would play fucking anything and love it, so that, that's definitely the case, a lot of people with the Celebrity Deathmatch game. Now, Celebrity Deathmatch, if you don't know, outside of this game, was an MTV series that, that was claymation, and it pitted celebrities against each other and they had you know impersonators doing the voices and stuff it was supposed to be like wrestling with celebrities very funny i remember getting those vhs's from the video rental store as a kid and watching footage of this yeah it looked decent enough i mean i don't really expect this game to be great it didn't seem to be great but it's fun you know you have uh marilyn manson fighting mr t it's a crazy time there looked to be a handful of wrestlers in here you know carrot top tommy lee and our favorite in sync, all the in sync members look to be in it too. So lots of celebrities from the era and celebrity deathmatch, something I think would do quite well if it came back. Looking into the celebrity deathmatch roster, there's a lot of people who went out to go on to Aqua Teen, for example, Janine Garofalo, 
George Lowe, Jonathan Lipow, Matt Harrigan, but also Dave Willis seemingly did a lot of voices on Celebrity Deathmatch, at least according to IMDb and on his Wikipedia page. I saw somebody tweeted at him about it with a clip of him supposedly playing Al Gore, but Dave actually responded to that saying, holy smokes, this is a deep dive. But online predator from Squids is Sean Coleman, and I don't know who did Al Gore on this, but it wasn't me. So I assume Dave did work on the show, just uh, not all the credits are correct for him. It's something I'll have to talk to him about and and dig more into, I guess, because I'm not really finding much else besides IMDb, which, you know, from making the show, I have learned IMDb can be very incorrect sometimes. So we'll find out. Lastly, I want to tack on that I did find an episode online that Dave supposedly did voice work on. I found the character. To me, it didn't sound like him. So who knows? The whole show is on Paramount Plus, supposedly, but I don't have that. So I can't like look up every credit he has. Just something that we'll have to, you know, talk to him and see about. But all right, you just saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and had your pants scared straight off of you. You went back to Best Buy to buy Speaker Box The Love Below again because the album is so good. And while you were there, you saw a Celebrity Deathmatch game. Maybe it'll be all right. Maybe it won't. Who cares? Celebrity Deathmatch is fun. It'll probably be a good time regardless. Well, Celebrity Deathmatch was decent, but you're kind of bored of it. And you already had Speaker Box to love below, so you're not sure why you bought it again once you actually sit down to think about it. What's coming on Adult Swim tonight? Let's, let's take your mind off of all these depressing topics. At 11 p.m., we get the Big O with the War of Paradigm City. New episode, of course. 11.30 p.m., The Brack Show with Shadows of Heat. A new episode. At 11.45, we got our Aqua Teen Hunger Force Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. That is our new episode lineup for the week, as it has been these past few episodes. Midnight Sea Lab 2021 with The Policy. 12.15 a.m., we get Space Ghost Coast to Coast with... It's a French title, so I'm not going to butcher it. But uh, on, on one of the websites I use to see what is airing these nights, it said that this was a new episode. It isn't. It came out in 1995, but a part of me wonders... If this is the first time it has aired on Adult Swim proper since Adult Swim launched. This episode has Jim Carrey in it. It also has Andy Merrill doing the voice of Lokar. And Matt Malero wrote uh, some of the segments on it. So looks like a fun episode of Space Ghost. Although the ratings on it aren't that good. It's 5.6 out of 10. Oh, that explains it. It's a clip show episode. They're showing old episodes. That's why the ratings are so bad. No one wants to see that shit. Never mind. Fuck it. Don't watch this episode of Space Ghost. I I hate those episodes. Don't Don't watch it. Anyways, moving on, 12.30 a.m., we have Home Movies with Broken Dreams, 1 a.m., Trigun with Sin, and 1.30 a.m., we get Cowboy Bebop with Hard Luck Woman. So, all right, that's our lineup. Let's jump in to this legendary episode of Aqua Team. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Monmouth Feed Supply. Are you near the Jersey Shore and looking to feed a train of white stallions? Head on down to Monmouth Feed Supply. Located in Farmingdale, New Jersey, they have all the feed you need. Use discount code DANCINGISFORBIDDEN at checkout to hear the clerk say, What? Monmouth Feed Supply. Don't be greedy. Your horses, you must feedy. Real quick, I was looking at this uh, company's website, uh, just getting an idea of who they are, this little New Jersey feed supply store. And I scroll down on their supplies section to horse feed, and there's a picture of horses eating. Yeah, you know, pretty normal. Under that is a fucking illustration of a Pegasus swooping into the ocean. What the hell are they selling at this place? 
check the show notes for a link to that because uh you know if i had horses i'd feed them whatever the fuck these guys have because that looks incredible this episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons, the Moon Masters, over on patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, budgeting their money so that they can feed their horses and also give to this podcast to keep it going. Signing on this week at the duffel bag of cash level, we have Kalani. You know Kalani. Played his voice messages on the show before. And also signing up at the number one in the hood G-tier, we have Carl. And you know who Carl is as well because we also played his voice message back in the Total Recarl episode. Really means a lot to me to have both these guys signing on, both of these upstanding citizens of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom. Really appreciate it. Back to the horse feed thing. It's kind of funny because uh, we do have a patron who has horses, I think, but I don't want to dox them, so I'll leave it at that. But thank you so much, Kalani and Carl, for supporting the show. I hope you guys enjoy all the stuff over there on the Patreon waiting for you, the other Adult Swim shows that we talk about over there, and the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters coverage that is, you know, going on at the end of every month. And if you can't support the show financially, but you still want to help out, just, you know, liking stuff on social media, boosting in the algorithm, sharing the show, talking about the show with other people, definitely makes a difference. Coming up next. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary premiering October 19th, 2003 with a TV PG DL rating, DL for suggestive dialogue and infrequent course language. And this makes sense. You know, we have we have a boxy brown scene that, that is, you know, a bit suggestive in itself. And then we have Zach Wilde who, who swears and they cut it out. You know, I'm surprised this one didn't get a, a violence because Zach puts a guitar through Shake's head and then there, there's the scorpions who kill Zach Wilde and stuff. But yeah, this one with a, with a PGDL. It's not a very controversial episode, which tend to be my more favorite one simply because in order to make them without any sort of controversy, they're probably just really fucking weird. And that's definitely what this episode is, but in a, in a totally wonderful, fantastic way. Back to the rating, though, courtesy of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, it says, This episode once aired in 2007, rated as TV-14L, despite the episode actually being rated TV-PGDL. The episode took the place of an episode that was supposed to air in syndication, that was in fact rated TV-14L. So this episode, once in 2007, mistakenly being rated TV-14L. Voice actors on this one, we have Zach Wilde, alongside someone credited as B.B. Leland as the Scorpions. And looking this up, on IMDb, B.B. Leland is credited as actually being John DiMaggio, uh, who I know as the voice of Bender on Futurama. I don't know if this is true or not. John DiMaggio ended up being on Aqua Teen, but I can't really source this to anything besides IMDb, which as I've mentioned, who knows what they're on about. The Aqua Teen fandom wiki also confirms this. However, it's possible that they just looked at IMDb and said, all right, sounds good to me and, and put it on there. There's really no way to know off of those two sources. Listening to it, I could see it being him. I don't know enough of all the voice work he can do to really qualify this or, or or justify this. Maybe you do because John DiMaggio has been in 10 billion things, but I've only seen Aqua Teen and like five other TV shows. So it's possible it's him, but I don't know for now. So as far as who this BB Leland person is, I can't find anything else about them. And as we know for a fact, Aqua Teen at the time was a non-union show, and they would have union actors come on and have to use fake names. For example, David Cross in the episode Dumber Dolls. So yeah, who knows? Uh, I did listen to a Dana Snyder interview today, 
And Dana mentioned meeting John DiMaggio at some point after the Aqua Teen Hunger Force CD had come out, which was around like 2007, 2008, 2009. And John DiMaggio was like, oh, you're the voice of Master Shake. I, I love that show. I have your CD in my car. To me, that seems like a weird thing to say if John had been on the show at, at some point. And to clarify, as I said, John did go on to be on Aqua Teen. He was on the episode Muscles, which came out in 2013. At least that was his first appearance on the show. So a full 10 years after the episode we are discussing today. So who knows? I'll figure it out at some point and let you know. Last but not least, our third voice actor for this episode is the incredible Matt Malero doing the voice of the homeless guy we will see, as well as the fake Getty Lee voice that is in the song featured in the episode. So that's who is in the episode. Let's kick off our Dr. Weird skit. And I'm going to do a first here. I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to play it. That's it. That's the whole clip. We see Dr. Weir's lab and his like a giant version of his head just kind of comes in. I I imagine at least like green screen style just saying bullshit. And that's it. That's the whole clip. Doesn't make any sense. It's probably the most nonsensical one we've ever gotten. And some history here is that the clip of him saying bullshit is from season two, episode nine, The Meat Zone. And Jay Edwards said in the commentary for this episode, because this episode has commentary, that they reused him saying that from a different episode. So I went through all the Dr. Weird openings, and I found it. It's from the meat zone when he says bullshit to Steve at some point. They just cut it out, and that's the whole thing. So even though C. Martin Croker is in this episode, this actually isn't a new recording. This is a bullshit we have heard before, but that's the whole clip. Let's keep on moving here. I wonder how they really decided to include which Dr. Weird sketch with which full episode, because obviously in the first season, the, the Dr. Weird intro was related to the full episode sometimes so it makes sense why those were bundled together this one i wonder if they're like oh we need a real short one because we have a lot of of script for the episode or whatever they they knew they wanted to include a lot so they just really got as short of a thing as possible Uh, i really wonder what kind of thought went into that anyways moving into our episode proper we open in and we see frylock and meatwad in the house they are by the kitchen in the hallway and we see there are some streamers put up some red and yellow streamers as well as a silvery glittery i assume happy birthday sign and we see meatwad there he has a red bandana over his eyes and he's holding what looks like a handle to a broom or something without the broom part on it they they unscrewed it and he is hitting frylock in the head we see on the, on the top right of the frame there is what looks like a pinata so meatwad is just turned around here and he's hitting frylock instead of the pinata with the broom handle and we will eventually get a shot of the pinata it's very imaginative it's some sort of japanese kaiju looking monster it is green and yellow with purple horns it has claws and everything so basically it has it has a a dinosaur kind of looking head with horns on it it has one eye then it has a circular mouth with jagged teeth inside then its stomach is also a face there's a face there with like big teeth in it and everything it's really crazy it's it's an awesome design you really just need to check it out i can't really describe this crazy thing but very silly that that this much effort went into a pinata they could have just had a little puppy dog or something but they went with this really crazy imaginative monster i don't know if this is a reference to something specific if you know please let me know but i would imagine it's just some crazy nonsense Lastly, to this pinata, it is being held up by a rope, which itself is tied to a chain, which we can see is being held up by some sort of metal hook. So uh, it seems a little excessive here the way this thing is being held up, but it gets the job done. 
So, all right, that's the visual elements of the scene. Basically, what's going to happen here is, as I said, Meatwad keeps hitting Frylock with the with the broomstick, and then he eventually goes into the kitchen because he has the bandana on. He can't see what he's doing. He starts hitting stuff in there. Frylock gets fed up, and he just explodes the pinata with his eyes, which causes the pinata to go flying through the roof. No! Meatwad! Oh. Ow! Meatwad, the pinata is <laughs> over there! Where is Here? Ow! <laughs> You're the birthday boy. Let's just take off the blindfold, will you? Oh, Meatwad! Okay, so yeah, it's Meatwad's birthday, and this the second episode this season about Meatwad's birthday. The first, of course, being Super Birthday Snake, where where Meatwad wanted the bunny rabbit for his birthday. And going back to our Rabot comparison video, in the rough cut of the Rabot episode, at the very end, we got kind of a, a little short after that episode ended of the Aqua Teens in Meatwad's room. Meatwad wants to go putt-putting for his birthday, and Shake says putt-putt is forbidden or something along those lines. So this the second official episode showing Meatwad's birthday in some capacity. Of course, you know, there's an asterisk on Super Birthday Snake, but they intended to show Meatwad's birthday all the way back in episode one that just got cut somewhere along the line. Just a lot of funny visual humor in this clip, though. For example, at one point, Meatwad turns towards the pinata. It looks like he's going to hit it. And he he cranks the broomstick all the way back, you know, like really far behind him so that he can assumedly swing it forward and hit the pinata really hard. But he just he just hits Frylock behind him at that point. So a lot of fun visual stuff there. I don't think I ever did the blindfold pinata thing. I, I've definitely hit pinatas as a kid. I don't think I was blindfolded, though, so uh, missed opportunities of my youth, I suppose. But I guess it's not too late. There's nothing stopping me now from just buying a pinata and doing it on my own. But uh, I suppose the reason I was never blindfolded as a kid is because it would probably go just about the way that, you know, it went with Meatwad. Like, a dumbass kid doesn't know what's going on and probably just miss. And it's like, all right, let's just let the kid see the pinata and break it open and get the candy. And that's kind of, you know, Frylock doing here what I assume a lot of parents have had to do of, of just kind of helping out and kind of taking matters into their own hands with the pinata. Because sometimes kids are too weak to even break open the pinata. Some of them are pretty hardy. So that's that's what Frylock has to do here. He explodes it, but it, but it goes through the roof, so it's not even there. There's no candy or anything. But he's like, "All right, congrats, Meatwad, you did it." So let's jump into that. Hooray, Meatwad, you hit it. See? Hurrah! Where's the candy? Look, you got a cake. <laughs> Who needs candy? Come on, Meatwad. Is it candy enough? <laughs> Look, just get your damn friends in here. Frylock, I'm friends with a toilet paper tube, an apple, and a box. I'm crazy in the head. So in that clip, nice little visual element of the the chain that was holding up the pinata is now is now swinging back and forth. Meatwad points out, like I was saying earlier, the pinata's gone. There's no candy. There's no trace of the pinata or anything. So Meatwad's upset, but Farley's like, oh well, you don't need candy. You have a cake, and we see a cake in the shape of a fish on the table, which is just a weird shape for, for a cake, for a birthday cake for somebody. I can understand if Meatwad loved fishing or something, but they've never done that in the show, uh, to my knowledge anyways. And so Meatwad starts hitting the cake with the broomstick, and, and we see it looks like a, a red velvet cake. Red velvet cake, I think, is just chocolate cake with red food coloring in it, uh, but I'm not entirely sure on that. Typically, red velvet cake will have some sort of cream cheese frosting. Although this doesn't look like cream cheese frosting on the cake itself. There are two candles on this cake, a blue candle and a kind of peach flesh tone colored candle. Implying here that maybe Meatwad is two, although we will get into his age in a little bit in this episode. So uh, who knows what it is, but just going off these candles, you would think he's two. But I think it's really just 
you know, maybe Frylock doesn't know, but also, you know, this is this is a, a a household on a budget. They can't afford a ton of candles. These candles had previously been used, it looks like, because they are a little bit melted. So Frylock just reusing what they had. And there's a really understated element of this show of Frylock as an adoptive parent, Frylock as a provider, doing the best he can for Meatwad to give Meatwad a happy life assumedly a happy childhood although again we don't actually know how old he is and it's assumed you know really that he's the same age as the other aqua teens he just is maybe of a more limited mental capacity because as megan rooney said in our interview he has a macaroni brain so moving on from that cake scene frylock will say we'll get your friends in here and then we see we see vanessa dewey and boxy brown are here they're at the party they have little party hats on which is very adorable thinking of meatwad putting those on his dollies Vanessa here, if you're wondering, without the mustache that she sometimes has. Again, you know, as we've hypothesized on the show, it makes sense that Vanessa's face changes a lot because she's an apple. So understandably, she she goes bad after a while. He has to get a new apple and redraw the face on so he can kind of experiment every time. Vanessa and Dewey, of course, mainstays from season one, but Boxy Brown is new to this season. This being his second appearance in the show, his first time, of course, Season 2, Episode 3, Super Bowl, and I'm really surprised. For some reason, I just had in my head that Boxy Brown was way more prominent of a character, but I think that's because, as I've said so many times, I only had Season 2 on DVD, and he appears three times in Season 2, and after that, it's just once in a while. So that's why in my head, I'm like, oh, this is a, a more prominent character, but really, I just had the season where he happened to show up the most. And Boxy Brown, of course, voiced by Dave Willis. We got into that in the Super Bowl episode because, you know, Dave Willis is white doing this uh, generic, stereotypical, almost black exploitation voice for a character. I'll just leave it at that. Let's jump in. We're going to get some dialogue here from Boxy Brown. And I should remind you here that Boxy is responding to Meatwad saying that his friends are, you know, Vanessa Dewey, Boxy Brown, that he is crazy in the head. So Boxy is taking offense to this. Well, you going to diss me, boy. Diss me to my face. Boxy, please don't take it like that. Well, how am I supposed to take it there? We just want to celebrate my birthday with some cake. <laughs> I don't want no cake. I want me some pie. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? No, sir. Well, let me break it down. You know when you're in the shower with some fine foxy hoochie mama and she got that. I'm cutting in here to let you know that there is a moment of silence and we are seeing that nobody else can hear what Boxy is saying. It's only Meatwad because he's making it up in his head. And that's just really exemplifying this fact that he's about to say something really naughty. And obviously they can't show that on TV. So they just kind of pan out and we see Meatwad and Boxy just looking at each other. And Meatwad's going to react to the silence. What? Uh, Meatwad? Well, I don't know if I believe that. I mean, I've seen action figures without the pants. They ain't got that. Uh, Meatwad? <laughs> Shh. He is talking here. Oh, oh, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt. Well, Dad, he's got a knife! <laughs> So Meatwad, I don't know where, freaking out. Watch out, he's got a knife. And then Meatwad, he, he's so scared, he drops the broom handle. Something that I never really picked up on until now, and you will hear in the next clip, is how kind of similar Boxy sounds to Meatwad. I was playing around with pitch here, trying to get Boxy sound way higher pitch to be more of a Meatwad voice. It didn't work out the way I was hoping, but I, I hope you really understand where I'm coming from with this. With the way that he says certain things reminds me of Meatwad. And obviously that's because it's Dave Willis doing both voices here. But I, to me, like in terms of the lore, the canon of the show, 
it's established here that, I mean, obviously, Meatwad is making this voice up in his head. So to me, that really makes sense that, that the inflection on some of Boxy's words and some of his word choices kind of line up with Meatwad. Like he says boy and stuff like that, like Meatwad does. So it really makes sense when this is uh, one of Meatwad's imaginary friends, in essence. Moving on with our scene here, Frylock is going to start to sing happy birthday to Meatwad. And notice that he, he'll get a few words out and then we'll cut to Boxy singing. Really pay attention to Boxy's voice in this clip, please, because you will hear what I'm talking about with him sounding similar to Meatwad. Of course, I assume that's not intentional. It's because it's the same voice actor. But uh, like I just explained, to me, it, you know, it makes sense in the, in the context of the show. But Shake will interrupt this. He will come running in. He has a present in hand. It is wrapped. The wrapping paper is red with a beautiful golden bow on it. Although the wrapping paper is a little dinged up, it looks like. There's a, a little smudge or a stain on it and everything. Really nice and funny touch here. But yeah, Shake is going to run in here saying, no, wait, stop. Shake is going to explain the importance of the gift he has brought, and there's a little visual element here, and you will kind of hear it. You'll, you'll hear Meatwad's meat noises on the bottom right of the screen, because Shake is standing there holding this present. You will see Meatwad's arms come up and start just kind of hitting the box, which is funny. He really wants it, that eventually he'll just grab it with both hands and take it at the end of the clip. Okay, okay, Boxy, put the knife down. <laughs> Let's all sing happy birthday. Ready? Happy mm, uh, Happy birthday. Uh, uh, happy birthday. Hold, hold, birthday. Stop, don't sing. Stop. Hold on a sec. Oh, look who showed up. I thought you said you didn't do birthdays. Do them. I am responsible for the paradigm shift in birthdays and how they will be viewed in the following <laughs> centuries. So that's Meatwad grabbing the box and revealing what is inside. We see it is a, a giant reel for a real real player, which is basically just tape. It, it's, a, it's a larger cassette tape in essence. Nowadays, tape isn't used a ton. I, I feel like it's used more purposely for certain kinds of music these days because you like the way it affects the sound and everything like that. But but for the most part, things are, are, are a lot more digital these days. I'd imagine back in 2003, while this probably wasn't like the, the standard or common, I feel like recording onto tape back then was mo way more common than it, than it is now because technology hadn't completely taken over the music industry the, the way it has now. So at the time, I'm sure that this was a little outdated, but it wasn't as outlandish as you would see it today. I'm just trying to give a context here because, you know, seeing this episode today, you're like, oh, wow, shit, why does Shake have this crazy thing? At the time, again, I'm sure it was kind of silly, but it wasn't as weird as it would be today if Shake showed up with this, this giant reel for a reel-to-reel -reel player. So moving on here, Meatwad is disappointed. He has a sad look on his face because he's like, you know, what is this? This isn't a fun toy. I don't care about this. Frylock is going to question Shake, what is this? And then Shake is going to keep going on about how great this is. And he's going to push in a giant reel-to-reel -reel player, which is so funny. There's, there's a giant speaker on the bottom. And again, he's just explaining how important this is. Shake, what the hell is that? You know the birthday song? Yeah, the famous one usually puts everybody to sleep. Oh, yeah, you mean the one we were trying to sing when you interrupted. Well, kiss that snooze fest goodbye, because I wrote a new one. And from now on, whenever someone blows out candles or unties a ribbon, this is what our waitresses will be singing. Let's just head into the song, because Shake is about to start the reel-to-reel -reel player. The reels will start spinning, and the speaker has a cool effect on it. It kind of, like, pulsates and, and moves along with, with the music, which is cool. Shake is going to—he's going to throw up the rock and roll hands. He's going he's gonna to headbang a little bit, and then they will talk about the song. Uh, let's, just, let's just head into it and give it a listen. Deep within the wall of time, a creature <laughs> <laughs> the seed of life is united with the egg of tyranny. 
Jesse's force from within the womb of life for three quarter and nine years. The creature thus be born. The creature thus be formed. This is Zach Wilde. The Zaz is all guy. The man knows his way around five strings. You're telling me that this is the new birthday song. Gee willikers, it must be obvious day on Camp Stupid. There's just so much to unpack here. There, there's so much going on. We have Frylock looking kind of stunned when he hears this. His eyes are just wide open. Meatwad just looks a little confused. And again, Shake is headbanging. He is so happy about this, so proud of this. It's revealed that on guitar is Zach Wilde, which it actually is Zach Wilde. So Zach Wilde played for Ozzy Osbourne. He's in Black Label Society. He's just a really accomplished guitarist. And of course, he will go on to have a speaking role in the episode. So we'll talk more about Zach once we get there. Frylock is just, you know, beside himself. Like, really, Shake, you think this is going to be the new birthday song? And Shake with the great line... G. Willikers, it must be obvious day on Camp Stupid. I also love that Meatwad knows who Zach Wilde is. He's like, oh, this is Ozzy's old guy. And this really lines up. You know, Aqua Teen is famous for not having continuity. But to me, there's a lot of continuity in certain things like this because back in Super Sirloin, Meatwad establishes that he's only listening to metal music from now on, which of course we see he listens to other things that aren't metal music, but he knows who Zach Wilde is, which really lines up with this, because if he was listening to heavy metal, he would definitely be listening to Ozzy Osbourne, and Zach played with Ozzy. Funny joke there of Shake saying the man knows his way around five strings. A guitar has six strings, and it's really funny that Shake doesn't know this, because we've seen him playing guitar before, and he, he tries to act like he's a musician sometimes, and he doesn't even know how many strings a guitar has. Last thing I want to touch on here is Shake saying, oh, this is what waitresses will be singing. It's just total nonsense because how is anybody supposed to sing this? There's no rhyme or reason to the music, really. It's just it's just Zach Wilde shredding on guitar and then just some singing over the top. And we'll get more into that in a little bit because they do address this in, in the commentary. So continuing on here, they're going to keep talking about this song. What it's called is Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. It came to uh, Getty and I in a dream. Getty? Getty Lee. Lead singer of Rush. Rush! Will you shut up when the big people are talking? <laughs> he happens to be extremely highly paid for his input on this project. Tell me this fades out right here. So Shake revealing that this is supposed to be Getty Lee singing over the song. Getty Lee from Rush. And we, we get some really interesting thing here with Meatwad because... He's like, yeah, Getty Lee, Rush, which you would assume he's just mimicking and parroting Master Shake, because Master Shake just said all that. But then Meatwad goes on to sing a part of the song Fly By Night by Rush, revealing he really does know who Rush is, which, which I love. I love that Meatwad has all this rock and roll knowledge in this episode. And again, Fly By Night by Rush, which came out on their 1975 album called Fly By Night. The album cover for that is a giant white owl, and that will come into the episode later as well. Really want to play that Rush clip just in case you're not familiar with Rush, so you know what is why these vocals are so funny because it is not really Getty Lee on this. It is Matt Malero doing a Getty Lee impression. So just singing really high. Supposedly Getty Lee wanted to do this, 
but he was busy recording his solo album at the time, so he couldn't just make it work because of scheduling. And I think that's hilarious because they will reuse that reasoning later in the episode, so we'll get to that. But supposedly, Geddy Lee wanted to do this. And I, sh- I should mention here that Neil Pert, the drummer from Rush, does go on to be an Aqua Teen in the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. So I have talked about Rush on this podcast over on the Patreon feed because we've, you know, covered some of the parts with Neil Pert. So I've talked about him, gushed about Rush over there. I love Rush so much. And just cool that, you know, so many years later, they were able to get somebody from Rush onto Aqua Teen because both Matt Malero and Dave Willis are fans of Rush. And real quick, I just want to mention that I really wish that Geddy Lee could do this. First of all, because Geddy Lee's awesome. It'd be so funny to actually have him on this episode as well. Although, don't get me wrong, Matt Malero doing a Geddy Lee impression is funny in and of itself. But if they actually got Geddy Lee, that would be insane. But as far as I could tell from just Googling around, Zach Wilde and Geddy Lee have never really done anything together. I'm sure they know each other. I'm sure they're friendly with each other. Just, you know, being rock and roll legends at this point. But to actually have them come together on an episode of Aqua Teen for the one and only time, that would have been incredible. Something else from this scene, which is kind of surprising, but Shake hits Meatwad again with a shut up, the, the adults are talking or something along those lines, which he did a similar thing back in Revenge of the Trees, the previous episode. And it's surprising here because Meatwad is kind of backing Shake up on this in a way. And Shake is still like, fuck you, Meatwad, shut up. No one's talking to you. I suppose this is as good a place as any to give you just some history on this episode and on the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song. So Matt and Dave wanted to use the Happy Birthday song, you know, the original one, for something but realized they'd have to pay. I don't know if it was for an episode of Aqua Teen, if it was for an episode of Space Ghost, but they weren't able to. So that kind of gave them the idea for this episode. And that, you know, that explains why also in restaurants, a lot of restaurants would have their own birthday song that they would sing because... At the time, a publishing company had the rights to the song, and there's a bit of an interesting history behind this. Basically, a publishing company called Warner Chapel Music had claimed copyright on the song, and they were collecting licensing fees for its use, but in 2015, the copyright claim was declared invalid, and Warner Chapel agreed to pay back $14 million in licensing fees. So this company, seemingly who didn't really have any rightful claim, to the rights to this song claim that they did and people had to pay them and eventually and like i said in 2015 it was thrown out now in the united states in europe as well the song is in the public domain as it should be and anyone can use it so now after 2015 you'll hear this song probably more in tv shows but before 2015 you had to pay a licensing fee of course adult swim they had no money they couldn't afford to pay that so that's what really struck the idea for this episode is that stupid, uh, uh, I guess, patent troll, for lack of a better term. Obviously, it's not patent, but they're just sitting on this, even though they really didn't have a right to as declared in 2015. My understanding is they essentially had a right to a specific piano arrangement of the song, but they were trying to claim that that gave them right to any rendition of the song in, in in a published work. That's the history on Happy Birthday to You, you know, the song that uh, they had to cut Frylock off from Foley singing, then Boxy Brown sang his own version of it. Let me give you some history on the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song, and that is that it was up in the air about having Master Shake, aka Dana Snyder, singing it. And that's why on the DVD we have a special feature of Master Shake singing it because they weren't sure what they were going to do. I assume their initial idea was to get Getty Lee on the track. He couldn't do it, so they were like, okay, well, maybe we'll have Master Shake do it. I could see how that would influence the episode in a funny way. It would be Master Shake himself singing over a Zach Wilde just guitar 
riffing, but I think it's way funnier that they went with a fake Geddy Lee over Master Shake, even, you know, imagining it's supposed to be Geddy Lee, because obviously that wraps up the episode. I assume you've seen the episode. So that, that wraps up the episode in a nice way. But to me, it's really, really funny to have Master Shake kind of orchestrating this song. He's not directly, you know, performing on it, but he is orchestrating it happening, which I think is really funny, a really unique situation, and I'm glad they went that route. Dana Snyder says on the commentary that Matt Malero was like, follow the beat of the song when he's trying to, uh, you know, record the lyrics for it. There is no beat of the song. It's like, it's just totally freeform riffing. It makes no sense whatsoever. So poor Dana Snyder having to spend, I I'm sure, forever trying to record this just for them to not even use it. And in the commentary, they say that the lyrics for the song are the first pass, like they just wrote it once and just kept it as is. That's what they alluded to. I don't know if that is 100% for sure, but I could see that being the case. The lyrics on this one are just so fun. It's just such insanity. I will read the lyrics just because, like, personally, I don't know all of them. So I, I feel like there's value to me reading them at some point. I'm not going to do it right now because this, this section is going on so long. Let's continue on with our scene here. Frylock, in the previous clip, was like, tell me it fades out here because this is just total nonsense for a birthday song. But it doesn't fade out. We're about to get an interactive part of the song where, uh, quote, Getty Lee will sing Ye of Years, and then you're supposed to say how old you are, and then the song comes back in with Bells Will Chime, and we're going to get just a hilarious scene of them trying to get Meatwad to say his age. All right, hang on. Okay, see, this is where you're supposed to say the number of years. I'm going to rewind it. You do it. Okay, here we go. Okay. Ye of <laughs> say it! How many years are you? Just say how old you are, Miquan. <laughs> I don't know. All right, you're just ruining this song. What are you, 55? 56? <laughs> yes, I'm 55. 55 bells! We'll chime when the heavens open up. One of the best Aqua Teen scenes. Again, similar to Revenge of the Trees. Really here because they were going back and forth on Shake's age and now they're doing something similar here with Meatwad. They just don't know how old they are. And I love I love this joke. I love that they brought it back. I love how parallel this episode is to Revenge of the Trees, something I never realized or thought of until recording this podcast. The scene is about to continue on this way, and eventually we will see that Meatwad's cake is on fire. Something I forgot to mention is that before they sing the happy birthday song all the way back, you know, before Shake came in. Frylock lit the candles on the cake, and now it's just, you know, they've been standing there waiting so long that the cake is on fire. This fire, of course, just the, just the, the Space Ghost Aqua Teen Campfire animation just keyed out and thrown right onto the cake. So you see it looks like a kind of like a weird campfire on the cake. It's just on fire. Let's give it a listen. You gotta be kidding me, Shake. No one's gonna sing this. Well, they better, because otherwise, how am I gonna pay Zach Wilde for his priceless participation in my project? So y'all gotta get royalties on this. It's done, right? Hang on, we're gonna repeat this verse again. Then there's another verse about the death cycle, which Zach and I both feel is really important to the piece. That's it. This sucks. You can't have birth without death. It's the duplicitous edge which we all walk upon. So yeah, uh, Frylock's just turning off the song. Let me read you the lyrics to the song real quick before we keep on with the scene where Meatwad will comment on the cake being on fire, which we now see and, and you could hear in that clip. So I am reading these off the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki. I'm noticing an error here. It says that the vocals are sung by Dave Willis, which is not true. It, it is Matt Malero. And I tried to edit it. Normally, I don't try and edit things on the wiki, but I tried to because I'm like, all right, that's a big mistake. And I don't know how it like won't let me. You have to be logged in and in some sort of 
group that has the permission to edit, so I can't change it. So if you check the Aqua Teen fandom wiki, it is not Dave Willis singing this song. Let's read the lyrics. Deep within the womb of time, a creature thus be born. The seed of life is united with the egg of tyranny. Gestates forth from within the womb of life for three quarter and nigh a year. The creature thus be born, the creature thus be formed. And every year raineth down the celebratory tears, a celebration of the years from mere mortal sky. And ye of years, then you say how many years? Bells will chime when the heavens open up and drink from the silver cup. The creature thus be born and blow the magic horn to alert the spirit deep within the cycle of life. The creature has begun its journey deep forlorn upon this day, which he be formed in the sea of mucus. The spirit rides down from the mountain and unites with the creature in the womb, a holy union, dark mortality until the dark mortality breaks the chain of life. The creature thus be born. So those are the lyrics of the song. I mean, it uh, rolls right off the tongue, very catchy, and I, I don't know why the song didn't actually pick up in real life. I, I feel like this is better than the original birthday song, but what can I do about it? Moving on here, like I said, Meatwad is going to comment on the cake being on fire at this point. Can I blow out the candles now? There's just wax all over my cake. Of course, <laughs> it's your birthday. But you gotta cough up the royalties first. How much does that cost you, Shake? So tired of people in the private sector. Look, every business has an initial investment, okay? Everybody has birthdays, and they all need the same. How much did it cost? We actually see why the cake is on fire. So one of the candles fell over, which somehow set the cake on fire. I don't think that would actually happen, but that is what happened. And Frylock is starting to grill Shake on the cost here. And Shake sounding like me when I try and justify how much I've spent, you know, getting this podcast to the point to where it's at. So I'm like, hey, every business has a financial initial investment and eventually you'll make it back. That's me. I can relate to Shake in this. Although I'm very fortunate to have, you know, patrons who are kicking in to uh, reduce this cost here. Shake has no such thing at all. And uh, so Frylock is asking him, hey, man, how much does this cost? Shake is going to bend down and pick up a binder that is filled with all the financial information. And he's going to start just rattling things off. Well, I guess we'll start with travel. Zach, as you well know, traveled by a train of white stallions, which I had to buy (laughs) and feed. And of course, you know, the snow machine. Give me that. $1.4 $1.4 million? The money is going to roll right in. Do you know how many birthdays there are a year? There are hundreds. Literally hundreds. <laughs> so just a great joke there. There are hundreds of birthdays a year. And I reckon there are, you know, 6 billion birthdays a year. Or, or is it 7 billion at this point? I don't know. I can't keep up with these numbers. And we're going to cut from there to a schoolie D clip. Just as we can see, this is a giant financial mistake by Master Shake. Shake Zula ain't got no business in fitness. So it's Schooly D right here. Shake Zula's got no business in business. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just hemorrhaging money left and right. And you heard an explosion. That is actually a great callback. We have the pinata from, from the beginning of the episode fall down and hit the sidewalk and explode. And then now we cut to either a new day or it's just later in the day. Everything is cleaned up. All that birthday stuff is gone. We have Shake sitting in the green chair. He's holding that binder still with the financial information, but he's just surrounded by piles of paperwork. He has one of those like calculator things that prints out receipts on it or whatever. He, he's just he's just knee deep in, in paperwork right now, trying to figure out the financials for this birthday song that he made. You see this? How much can a horse eat? The white? They gotta be bleached. <laughs> what the hell is this crap? Uh, Shake, 
I've got Zach's people on the phone here. They still haven't gotten the check. Well, I haven't gotten their invoice. <laughs> tell them to refax Uh-uh, you tell them. How are we gonna do that? So that is Shake taking the phone out of Frylock's hand and throwing it into the TV, causing an explosion. He's like, oh, how, how am I gonna do that? How can I tell them when there's the phone's broken now? Very smart of Shake to not deal with this issue. So while Shake doesn't seem to be dodging responsibility because he does seem to be working on this, you would expect he would just be sitting there watching TV, but he is trying to figure something out, it appears. But when, you know, push comes to shove and he actually has to confront these people, he just he just dodges them on it because he knows that he can't pay this back. He's made no money from this song yet. A peek behind the curtain here, when I did the little uh, funny guy joke at the beginning of the mid-roll ad, I was going to do it for horse bleach because he talks about having to bleach the horses, but I looked it up and I don't know that that's a thing. I could be wrong here, but apparently people actually try and use real bleach on horses, which is absolutely horrible. Uh, I think it's a no brainer that that's not a good idea. So I don't know. I don't know when, enough about horses when it comes to like taking care of white horses, but I don't know that you would really bleach them. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a horse expert can weigh in on this. Moving on from that scene, we're about to get a knock on the door. And we'll find out that Shake is putting the house up for sale. And then Frylock's like, we rent the house. We can't sell it. And Shake will throw uh, just a really tattered cardboard box, a really shallow box, up onto their, their cable spool table they have by the window with some muffins in it. They look to be brand muffins or something. They don't look particularly appetizing. But he's trying to be a good realtor of sorts, trying to entice somebody to buy the house. And we see out front that there is a sign that says, For Sale... The phone number listed is 555, which of course is a fake area code, 0112. So that's that's uh, Shake's phone number, I guess, or the Aqua Teen's phone number, 555-0112. However, though, since Shake just destroyed the phone, I guess, you know, nobody can get a hold of him to buy the house. Anyways, let's jump into that scene and hear this discussion on the house being up for sale. Wait, okay. If that's the guy about the house, tell him I'll be right there. House? Yeah. For sale. You put the house up for sale? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so we get some cash flow going. Jake, we rent the house. We don't own it. I know that. I have no intention of leaving. But we need money. Shake explaining how they need money. And I love it. That's This is like a real throwback to episode four of the entire series, Mayhem of the Moon Knights, when he's going to rent the room out to Ignignacht and Ur. So great throwback here, but he's taking it to the extreme. He's not just trying to rent out a room without telling his roommates he is selling the house that he does not even own. So at the door, we will see it's just a homeless man. He has what appears to be a pea stain on his crotch. He's wearing blue jeans, black shoes. He has a tan shirt on and the shirt is just, you know, it's got stains all over it. The guy is balding. He looks to be an older gentleman and his hair on the sides is all kind of crazy and his eyes are crazy as well. It's just a really classic kind of Aqua Teen character. This character voiced by Matt Malero and will come back throughout the series several times. I have some tidbits on this character. So Jay Edwards suggested that the stain on his pants get bigger and bigger throughout the scene, but they ended up not doing it. They assumed it would get struck by standards and practices and, the, and they would have had to redo it all anyways. So they just opted to not have the stain grow. But yeah, Jay Edwards thought it would be funny if as the, as the scene goes on, he gets more and more uh, pee stains on his pants, which I think I think would be funny. But but uh, I think the way it is, it, it, it's still hilarious. On the commentary, Dave Willis gives some great information on the origin of this character. Dave explains how he was outside of the Turner building, you know, where, where he worked. There was a kind of disheveled looking guy who, who just appeared to be homeless, who tripped on the sidewalk 
And then he sounded normal saying, I can't believe someone would leave a piece of metal on the sidewalk. So like, that's what he tripped over. And Dave was like, yeah, I considered going up to him and being like, yeah, you know, are you all right? Because the guy sounded normal. And then the guy said, you see them trees over there? I take control of all those trees. So that that will come into play with this character. You'll, you'll hear soon enough if you don't know what this is referencing. So Shake is going to open the door. Let's listen to this, this scene with the prospective buyer of the Aqua Teen's house. Hey, how you doing? Hey, so you saw the sign. I guess you want to take a look at the house. I mean, we have a couple other people coming later today. It's really a lucky thing you stopped by. Seeing trees, I'll take care of them. I'm a tree. I'm a tree wizard. Hey, that is great. Come on in. I've got a tray of muffins. muffins. If one, take one. Tree wizard needs $6.48. So this guy is calling himself the tree wizard, and he tries to take the whole box of muffins, but Shake slaps them out of his hand, saying, take one. And you can hear, again, Matt Malero voicing this character. He's just mumbling the entire time about nonsense, talking about uh, you know how he takes care of trees and all this stuff. So let's continue on with our open house, our showing of the Aqua Teens house. Remember, it is covered in all of the paper and stuff that Master Shake was looking at to try and figure out the finances for his song. And as you can see, it's fully furnished. <laughs> Two zero. No bathroom, and that is by design. We don't want people to mess things up with their waste. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, of course you do. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> and as you can see, the phone is highly cordless. Alabama, 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 yes. Alabama. Absolutely. We are conveniently located adjacent to Alabama. <laughs> what else? Oh, and in the back, there's a ton of science equipment. That's got to be worth something. not for sale. Bring your muffin. It's back here. Jake, he's gone. So, so Master Shake walked over to Frylock's room, and then you heard some fumbling. That is the tree wizard stealing the muffins. And just just leaving, just booking it. He, he at least he closed the door behind him. That's nice. But so, some visual stuff with this with this tree wizard guy. His arms are like always moving. It looks like he's almost uh, typing on a smartphone that's floating in the air at times. Like he's just pressing stuff that's not there and really crazy. Actually, a really sad character. And if we were really, if we really want to think about it, it's probably not okay to be laughing at this guy. He clearly has some sort of uh, mental illness going on or something along those lines. But I just love the way that they bring this character in. And, and then, you know, you can kind of feel okay making fun of him because he steals the Aqua Teens muffins. And Shake just a good salesman here. He, he knows all the right things to say. I think he actually did a really good job trying to uh, bullshit his way into selling this place. It's funny because he's like, the place is fully furnished. We see the TV is broken. The place is a mess. It's, it's just really funny. Anyways, the tree wizard is gone. And remember in the last clip, Frolic said, Shake, he's gone. They're going to continue that thought in our next clip, like right off of that. And we're also, we're going to see some snow start coming down slowly outside the window. They're standing by the window. And then Zach Wilde is going to ride up on a chariot pulled by six white stallions. And there is a, a snow machine on the back of the chariot, which is causing the snow. So let's check that clip out. And I will describe a bit more at the end of it. And so the TV. And the muffins, too. I'm sorry, did I not bury you in the backyard? Stay away from the muffins. Look at this. We got another potential buyer. What kind of car is it? Don't tell me it's a chariot driven by a train of white stallions. Oh, it's a chariot driven by a train of white stallions. Oh, hell, it's Zach! You gotta cover for me! I wasn't here! So we see Zach Wilde there. He's a guy with long blonde hair and a big black beard. And he has these, these pants on that are ripped at the left knee. He has black boots on. He's wearing a leather vest and leather gauntlets, I guess, around his arms. And then he has a blue shirt on underneath that. Then he's also he also has his guitar on, which is an awesome, it's a literal axe. 
and it's got uh, what looks to be blood on it and it's got a it's like gray with a red spiral going on it there's also a spike on the end of that guitar which he will use that guitar in a moment here to uh give some pain to shake and i love that he's just playing guitar while he's getting pulled around on this chariot we don't see any sort of guitar amp uh, on the chariot, we see he's he's on this this small black chariot with uh, ice coming off of it. Then behind it, there's a, a tiny little hitch that has the snow machine. But yeah, no guitar amp there. And it's funny because outside they reuse part of the mail order bride background because we see a snowman outside, which it doesn't make sense. Like, how is there a snowman there? It just started snowing from the snow machine. So who made the snowman? Who knows? A little detail that. You know, I wouldn't have caught if I didn't have to look at a screenshot of this. And great joke there, Meatwad's like, they're going to cancel school. Meatwad obviously doesn't go to school. Very funny. The guitar playing we hear, I'm not sure what it is. I have to assume it is from the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song. But I, I don't know that for sure. I, I could try and go back and listen, but it's all just kind of shredding. So it's hard for me to really differentiate. I wondered if it was maybe Matt Malero doing it too, because Matt Malero can shred like that as well. But Matt Malero is not listed in the episode as, as contributing any sort of music. So I have to assume it's, it's Zach Wilde here, and we will get more guitar playing from Zach Wilde throughout the episode. Before Zach plays guitar, though, he is here. He just kind of opens their door by himself, lets himself in. Shake went to go hide. And let's listen to that interaction of Zach Wilde playing himself here, interacting with the Aqua Teens. Yo. Is milkshake here? No, no, no. I the mean, beating I'm about to put on him is going to be indescribable. He's in the past. Go ahead and get him. Oh, thanks. <laughs> nice place, by the way. So, Zach, <laughs> nice place, by the way. I love the way Meatwad just, just snitches on Shake. I, I love that so much whenever he, he throws Shake under the bus like that. But yeah, that's Zach Wilde playing himself. Zach Wilde actually from New Jersey. So, I wonder if that kind of lent to him wanting to do the show, if it lent to him enjoying the show, Aqua Teen, because it's set in New Jersey. Zach from New Jersey as well. And some history here from the commentary is Dave Willis seemed to be hesitant to work with Zach, not knowing what to expect, right? It's this crazy rock star. Do we really want to have to work with him? Why don't we just do his voice? But Matt Malero really wanted to have Zach Wilde on the episode. And then Dave Willis was just, you know, blown away by how much Zach gave them and how great he was to work with. So I understand where Dave was coming from because, yeah, it's like, oh, is this guy going to be crazy? Like a crazy party animal? What? Why are we going to bring him in for this? This this could go wrong. This could not turn out good. But it did. You know, Zach Wilde gave a great performance in this episode, bo both guitar playing wise and, and the vocal performances that we are going to continue to hear. And yeah, Zach just elevating this episode so much. I love that, you know, Aqua Teen, they had a lot of hip hop elements in the show. You know, we hear Schoolie D all the time, this episode included, but also in the intro. The, the show is kind of hip hop heavy, but they do bring in these metal elements too, which I definitely appreciate and gives the show a whole different element to it. Moving on to our next clip, Meatwad snitched on Shake, said that he's in the back. He's hiding back uh, in the kitchen. You can see his like head and straw poking out by the the dividers between the kitchen and the living room. Zach's gonna walk back there and he's gonna he's gonna put the axe guitar right through Shake's head, you know, stabbing him straight through the noggin. And then at the end of the clip, you will hear Shake kind of hitting his head against the wall trying to get the guitar out. So a few visual elements here. Let's give it a listen. Hey, I see you. Zach, my man, I've been looking all over. Thank God you stopped by. No, no, put that down. Oh, God. So where's my money? Is this really about money? I thought it was about the love. I thought it was about 
The music. No, it's about the money. The jack is going to start rolling in. You know that live event I alluded to? It's happening. <laughs> and I want you to check out this venue because we got an exclusive booking, baby. So now there's going to be a live element to this episode. They're going to play live. That's how Shake is going to, you know, promote the song. Which, believe it or not, a little music history here for you. That's how music used to be. So records used to be expensive or, or just, you know, buying music. And concerts were pretty cheap, especially compared to today's standards. And bands would go on tour to promote the record. Now, in 2022, it's the complete opposite. Music is free, so there's no money to be made in selling music. So you have to play live to make your money. That's why concerts can be so expensive now. That's really how bands make their money, alongside merchandise sales. So now, people make albums to tour because they need new music to perform on tour, as opposed to going on tour to sell your record or your CD or your cassette or whatever. So completely topsy-turvy now. You know, we've touched on that on this podcast. One of the episodes we covered came out the week that iTunes launched, which, you know, lent to this. Of course, just digital music in general, just making, you know, recorded music essentially worthless. So, you know, obviously these days, vinyl sales are starting to pick back up because people are starting to want music on a physical medium more and more. But Shake really borrowing this old element of we have to go on tour, we have to play shows to promote the music. That really isn't the case anymore. So it seems kind of kind of jarring, kind of strange. Something I forgot to mention is that we will see outside sometimes we'll see Zach Wilde's horses. And you can see that they are kind of mid-gallop animation. They're not at like a standing resting animation because I assume they just didn't have one because when he rides in on them, they're, they're walking. So instead of having them do a standing animation, they're just uh, kind of mid-stride outside there. It's very funny. But moving on here, we're going to go to the live venue that they have to check out. That's where their gig is going to take place to promote the song, kick off this song's popularity. And this place is Pizza Potamus, where we went to in the MCP Pants episode where MCP Pants in spider form was exploded by the Aqua Teens. We're heading back there now and we're actually going inside of it. This uh, Pizza Potamus character uh, modeled after Peter Potamus, which was a Hanna-Barbera character who, you know, shows up in all sorts of Cartoon Network stuff in some capacity. But he was also a character on Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, this Peter Potamus character. And yeah, they just kind of pay homage to that as, as Pizza Potamus in Aqua Teen. So this place no longer exploded after the MCP Pants episode, and we are going to get to see the inside of it. And kind of relevant news is in the Markula and Plutonian Aquadong side piece that came out a few weeks ago, they actually return here again. So, so kind of timely to see this spot. Inside Pizza Potamus is very hard to explain because there's just so much going on. The, the point of it is the place is just derelict. As we touched on in the MCP Pants episode, I described all the graffiti and stuff outside. It's no better inside and there's broken glass all over the floor. There are beer cans everywhere, broken beer bottles. We have Meatwad. He's hanging out by a bunch of exposed wires. And there's pink asbestos everywhere, which you are not supposed to, you know, touch or, or inhale or anything like that. Just an awful substance that I don't think is really used much anymore. So the point here being, this place is not safe for kids, but they're supposed to have like a kids party here or something. It's so bizarre. Just, just an awful place that, that not even a grown adult would want to be in, let alone a child. Last thing I want to mention is there is a blue mattress that we can see in the background there. And you could imagine what that's probably used for. So let's jump into this scene and hear the reactions to being in this awful place. See? Kids love pizza and they love squalor. 
Meatwad's <laughs> already experiencing our interactive fun zone. Hey, which one you can eat and which one you can't? Meatwad, put that down. I know, Dad. Don't eat the hot meat. But the ground's pretty tasty, isn't it? No. Frylock, will you please calm down? I know we have to have rubber mats put in because the kids... The kids need to be grounded. <laughs> He's just going to blast that dumbass song in here, aren't you? So it seems like Shake's solution to this exposed wiring that you can hear there's like electric current uh, going through. It's discharging. His solution isn't to clean up the wires. It is to put down rubber mats so kids can be grounded so they won't get electrocuted, which is hilarious. And yeah, this place is supposed to be like a Chuck E. Cheese, if you're familiar with that. Just... There's a place for originally that kids were supposed to go to eat pizza, play games, but it's so run down and derelict now that I can't believe that they're even legally allowed to rent this out because outside there is a for rent sign. Like if you want to uh, use the space, I feel like this whole place needs to be torn down. So we saw Zach Wilde standing there. Of course, he has like a scowl on his face. He doesn't seem pleased. And then suddenly in this in this next clip, it, we're still in the same scene. Frylock was like, oh, you're just going to blast that dumbass song in here, aren't you? Well, Shake is going to. He's going to look over at the stage and we'll see the, the curtains open up. The curtains have holes in them and everything. They're just all disgusted. And we will see Zach Wilde was not, is now behind the curtains, which is funny. It's like, how did he get there so quickly? How did he know to go there? Really nonsensical, but just, just funny. And Zach Wilde's on the stage and he is sandwiched. He's, he's in between two scorpions, like two animatronic scorpions, uh, like you would see, I guess, at, at a Chuck E. Cheese or a Disney World or something like that. But it's just silly that they're scorpions. It makes no sense at all. The Scorpions both wearing red bow ties and playing banjos. And they, they do a little dance. They move back and forth like you would expect a cheap animatronic thing to do. If you're unfamiliar with what animatronic is, because I realize that there are listeners, who uh, maybe English isn't your first language, basically like a robot kind of thing for kids that moves around. Instead of holding his guitar, Zach Wilde has a washtub bass. It's made of homemade items, essentially. All sorts of cultures kind of had similar things to this, so I don't want to, to claim any... One group is known for playing it. It's made of, of basically homemade items of a giant metal bucket on the bottom where the sound resonates from. Some sort of pole thing that you would hold on to. And then a string that goes down from that to the metal bucket. So it's just this kind of, you know, we have banjos and washtub basses. This is totally nonsensical at this point. The, the song, the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song, is electric guitar and singing over the top. So this doesn't make any sense. This is so far away from the point of this gig that I don't understand what Shake is even thinking at this point. And I'm not the only one, of course. We've also gotten a couple shots of the microphone that they have on stage. It's like a weird warped wobbly microphone stand with with a stick in it instead of a microphone with two two marshmallows on it. So uh, very, very half-assed here on Shake's part. You know, I kind of thought things could be looking up. It's like, oh, he booked a gig for them. That's pretty good. But this is just nonsense. So jumping into our next clip here, remember Frylock was like, what are you just going to blast that dumbass song in here? Let's hear Shake's response. Not me. Kids are coming to see the Black Mountain Scorpion Hoedown Bluegrass Experience Gang featuring Zach Wild on Washtub Bass. <laughs> Zach, did we not do the sound check? That sound is Zach Wild throwing the Washtub Bass at Master Shake, hitting him right in the head. Let's continue on with our scene. Uh, no, jackass. I'm not working with any plastic scorpions. These things are beyond gay. Zach, the song needs exposure, and the only way to do that is to tour. Dumbass, take a look. These things are bolted into the ground. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about wicked poisonous scorpions. There's gonna be children here. I mean, come on. Okay, where's Getty? Getty? Getty who? Getty Lee? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, Russ! 
Have salesman? Have salesman! <laughs> you swore to God that he would be here. Yeah. Um. Gary's people said that he was heavily involved in his solo album. He wouldn't do it, would he? <laughs> well, of course he would do it if... If you had the money. Well, mostly I was dealing with the maid who answers the phone at his house. But I have told Consuela several times... He's getting a post-it on the fridge. I do know that. Why did I even get wasted and work with you? I mean, this isn't even a real microphone. It's a stick with a marshmallow on it. The room <laughs> is intimate. Just project. project. Project what? I don't even know what the f*** you're talking about. You gotta go from the diaphragm. I mean, I was f***ing wasted when we recorded it. So, yeah, Zach's like, I don't even know what you're talking about because Shake's like, you gotta project. Zach doesn't sing on the song. He plays guitar. What is he supposed to project? It, it just doesn't make sense at all. And I love how meta that is of Shake's like, oh, well, Getty wanted to do it, but they said he was involved with his solo project. That's exactly what Matt and Dave got when they tried to get Getty Lee for this episode. So I love that they're kind of uh, poking fun at themselves by bringing that in. Who knows? Maybe Getty Lee didn't want to do it and was just trying to be nice. He is Canadian after all, so he's probably a nice guy. But I love how they brought that up. Looking it up here, though, it appears that Getty Lee only released one solo album called My Favorite Headache, and that came out in 2000. So that was before this episode, before they were doing this episode. And like I said, it doesn't look like he ever released another solo album. So it's possible he was just working on something that didn't come out or he was working on another project. It, Rush did put out something called Feedback. It's an EP in 2004, which was all cover songs. Maybe that had to do with what he was working on. I'm not entirely sure here. I'm not like the most knowledgeable person on, on Getty Lee's personal history here of what he could have been doing at that time. It's possible, though, he was working on a solo album and decided not to release it or something along those lines. I should mention here that Getty Lee did some stuff on South Park, for example, performing a rendition of O Canada for the South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut soundtrack. And it's just really well known that all the guys from Rush basically were friends with Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of South Park. And South Park did stuff for Rush as well, like making little shorts for them to play on, on tour and stuff like that. So since Getty was a fan of South Park, I think it is fair to say he might like Aqua Teen or wanted to have done it. You know, he's done other cartoons. We can see other adult cartoons in the past. It makes sense. You know, he, he might have wanted to do this, but just wasn't able to, especially if Zach Wilde was involved. And you know who else isn't involved in this episode is Carl. There's no Carl in this episode so far, and there will be no Carl in it later, which is surprising. You know, I feel like it would have been easy to bring him in because he is a, a fan of you know, rock music and stuff. So he surely would be interested in meeting Zach Wilde or, or you know, like hearing Getty Lee sing or whatever. But yeah, no Carl in this episode. But, you know, a very strong episode without him still. I, I feel like it would have been cool to have him in here because he is a fan of, I assume, both of those artists. However, again, th this episode is a great one, uh, even with the absence of Carl. I want to touch on again here, Meatwad singing some Rush. He, he sings, I'm salesman, from the song, The Spirit of Radio. Great Rush song about the power of music, and uh, I assume the of salesman at, at the end is like how uh, the business side ruins music but yeah apparently meatwad likes spirit of music can't say i blame him that song from their album permanent waves that came out in 1980 beyond that zach revealed that he was wasted when they recorded it he really regrets doing this i mean zach could just walk away like i don't understand why he he's spending all this time for something that clearly isn't going to work to try and get this money back i understand you know you he should be paid for his work no doubt but 
It feels like, obviously this is just a waste of his time. He could just walk away. And it sounds like they did it all in one night anyways. It's a lost night. Just, you know, keep moving on, Zach, because you're not going to get your money back. Somehow, though, Shake is going to convince Zach to start practicing with the Scorpions who are playing banjo. And Zach now has his guitar. He's going to start shredding. Again, no amplification system that I can see, but that's all right. And then we will cut to Meatwad, who is literally inside one of the walls. He is in there uh, messing around doing something. We'll see him a couple times. Just follow Deadly's lead on this. He knows this song like the back of his stinger. And watch out for this thing. It, it will kill you. Come on, Meatwad. Come on, Dave. Thousand big roaches? No, they're scorpions. You want to meet scorpions? <laughs> no. So a little history on the background there, because we have Zach on the stage with the two scorpions, and there is a brick wall in the background. Supposedly, this is the a uh, default photoshop brick wall texture that came with the program i don't know if it still does but supposedly back in the day when this episode was made that was just a default texture that they had and then there are some some graffiti back there of, of initials those are the initials of radical access employees radical access did the animation for aqua Teen, so they just kind of put some of their initials back there cool little touch Shake is dancing, which is a great noise. You hear his like cup hitting the floor a bunch of times. He's he's having a good time dancing to this banjo slash uh, shredding guitar sound. And Meatwad's scared of the scorpions, understandably. Like, why would you have this at a kid's place? Moving on, though, Shake is not satisfied with Zach's performance. He's going to insult Zach. And I want to mention there's some sounds you'll hear in this clip. That's just the sound of the animatronic scorpions just moving like these uh, kind of hydraulic noises. Hey, Zach Mild, let's kick it up a notch. <laughs> what do you need, a drink? You want some pills? Maybe get some bitches? Uh, no, <laughs> I ain't doing this. I love how Shake is insulting Zach, calling him Zach Mild, even though Zach can clearly kick Shake's ass. I mean, he put that guitar through Shake's head, which of course is fully healed now. But something that Dana Snyder says is when he got the part for Shake, something that Dave Willis was looking for, like a descriptor he gave for Shake, was that his mouth was writing checks that his body couldn't cash. And that's definitely in Shake's personality here, insulting this big buff, you know, rock legend. And he's just this wimpy guy who, who can never win a fight. So Zach said that he ain't doing this, like he's fed up with this. And then things take a turn for the just strange and absurd. And the scorpions start talking and they'll eventually get into a little fight. Their chests will open up, revealing like giant guns with missiles and stuff pointed at each other. Of course, Zach Wilde in the middle of this and they will explode the entire place. So that's where the clip goes. Again, B.B. Leland credited as the Scorpions here. Uh, IMDb saying it's John DiMaggio. I don't know if it is. I can maybe hear it, but it's probably just the power of suggestion. Let's give it a listen. I know what you mean. I'm not really feeling it because I can't feel like humans, you know? If only there was some way. Say, man, I don't know if it's that. I, th I just think the song oh, sucks. Oh, is, is it that it sucks? Or you just want to go do, like, solo thing? Is that <laughs> is that what you want to do Yeah, now? maybe if I do that, I will. Hey man, don't you pull it out unless you're going to use it. <laughs> so I love the different personality or the, just the voices, I guess, from these scorpions. One is just like a deep voice guy. The other one's kind of Hispanic. It's, it's very, very, very funny. Again, I can hear it being John DiMaggio. His reaction in the story that Dana Snyder told to me, again, is weird. Why would you be like, oh, I love that show? I figured I'd be like, oh, I was on that show with you or something. I don't know. It's interesting that John DiMaggio was kind of fanboying out around Dana Snyder if he had you know, been on the show with him. I don't know. Either way, it's possible. I, I can't give a definitive answer right now. But 
these scorpions, they're kind of like philosophical here, but you know, they get in a fight about this song and then they just kill each other. They kill Zach Wild. Luckily, the Aqua Teens, though, make out all right on this. They, they've got some damage done to them. They're, they're kind of black and, and parts of them are clearly injured, but they're okay. Meatwad's fine, though, I suppose, because he was protected by all the asbestos in the wall. And they're in the danger cart. Meatwad's pulling it and he is uh, vocalizing Tom Sawyer by Rush. Tom Sawyer, probably Rush's most famous song off of their 1981 album, Moving Pictures. And this whole episode seems to be kind of an excuse for Dave Willis to do Rush's things in his Meatwad voice. I bet he just really wanted to do that. I'm sure it was a fun time. Anyways, yeah, the Aqua Teens are headed home. They're beat up, but they're all right. But they will notice that there is a plane in their front yard. Let's give it a listen. Can I just say that when I ordered them, I had no idea they came armed with laser cannons? She probably charged me extra, so, too. So, uh, what are you going to tell Zach's wife and children? You saw him! The guy was drunk and out of Whoa, control. What the, what's that jet doing in our yard? I like, you know, Frylock is so fed up here. He's like, what are you going to tell his wife and children? Like, this, you know, Shake just from his absolute negligence causes somebody to die. He blew up the Chuck E. Cheese, uh, the Pizza Potamus. Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, I think I went there a few times, but I don't really have any strong memories of it. But now nobody will have any Pizza Potamus memories because the place has been destroyed. Although it comes back again, like I said, in an Aquadonk side piece that came out a few weeks ago. And kind of a funny tie-in because I was mentioning like, oh, you, you know, you can't really rent this out or whatever. Markula turns out to be the landlord for this place. Of course, we haven't gotten to Markula yet, but... He is the Aqua Teens landlord as well. So I wonder if Shake got some sort of uh, discount on this rental because he already rents from Markula. Anyways, we are going to see the jet in the Aqua Teens yard. It is a black jet, but it looks like a bass guitar too. It's in the shape of a bass. Getty Lee, also the bassist for Rush. So he plays bass and sings, but no bass on the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song, interestingly enough. But on the front is, is the owl swooping down that we saw on the Fly By Night cover that we talked about earlier, and let's give it a listen from there. Oh, hell, what does it look like? Well, it's in the shape of a bass guitar, and it's painted with a giant owl. Swooping down from the moon, I know. It's Getty's jet. For it, we gotta get the hell out of here. I got him. I love it. <laughs> Just keep driving. Don't look at him. Go, go, go. Well, where are we going? Mexico, Mexico, underlay. So that is shaky. He, he's sunk down in the danger car. That's why he's like, described the jet to me, and then he pulls Frolic down as, as they drive past it. And we don't actually see Getty Lee, although it's revealed in the commentary that the original script had Getty sitting on the stoop waiting for them to come home. I assume this was scrapped because it would be a whole new character they had to make and it would just add to the budget of the episode. So they just just showed the jet and left it at that. And also it allows for the Aqua Teens to kind of get away because maybe, you know, Getty's in the jet, but maybe he's not looking right now or something. So it makes sense how they could evade him in this situation. Meatwad waving to Getty. Hey, Getty. Then, then he says what I assume is supposed to be from the Tom Sawyer song where, where Getty says the river. But Meatwad, he seems to botch it. I'm not really sure what he's saying here, but that's the only thing I could think of from the song that he would be referencing. No, no, no. It almost to me sounds like Miwata saying no liver, which is which is kind of funny there. But yeah, that is Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. Just a classic bizarro Aqua Teen episode. So much randomness going on, but I, I love the story that it tells. The the song itself in the episode is great, as are basically every Aqua Teen 
in-universe song that they have. And I love the Zach Wilde cameo, similar almost to the Danzig cameo, and that you know we've had uh, two two rocker cameos on the sh- on the show. I love all the Rush throwbacks. Rush being one of my favorite bands. But before I get on more to to my thoughts here, let's head over to what was the Tune Zone forum back in two thousand and three, and see what everyone was saying the night that this episode aired. First of all, we have the first proper comment about the episode. We have SSJ Pabs saying, nice that the introductory segment is so short. I really do not like them very much at all, which is very hot take. I can't believe somebody really doesn't like the the Dr. Weird skits and wishes that they weren't in there. Uh, but I suppose it makes sense. You know, it's it's disconnected from the episode and maybe you just want to see the Aqua Teens. User Beat said, except for the ending, that kind of sucked. I can't believe somebody would think this episode would suck. Uh, I try to be pretty open-minded and, and see things from all sides. When looking at things, especially media... But to think that episode sucked is just insane to me. I, I can't imagine it. There's so many great little lines there. But I guess if you're not a fan of, of this kind of music, maybe a lot of things would be lost on you. But to, to say that it sucked is nuts to me. Our buddy The Landstander comes in. I think somebody was saying something like complaining about Carl not being in the episode. And Landstander says, why do people think Carl is necessary for a good Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode? He's a great character, but plenty of Carl-less episodes have been good or great. Hell, Dumber Dolls is one of my favorites, and that was the first Carl-less episode. I agree with Landstander. Of course, I love Carl, but so far, I feel like every episode without him has been great. Uh, like it's, it's, The writers are just like, why bring him in? We don't need to. This episode is strong enough. It has enough going for it right now on its own that they don't need Carl. And I agree, you know, Dumber Dolls is great. Universal Remonster is great, and Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary is great. Of course, if they could fit Carl in somehow and make it work, that'd be nice, but I'd rather just have no Carl than them throw Carl in for the sake of it and and not really have him deliver any great lines and just awkwardly be there. So on top of that, too, the the show is pretty short, you know? It's, It's like nine minutes without the intro and the outro and all that good stuff. So it's really a timing decision, too. I'm sure if these were, you know, 22 minute episodes, then they could have brought Carl in, but the show is so short, it makes sense why they didn't. And and again, I'd rather they deliver a strong episode without Carl than a uh, meh one with him. Anyways, that's really it for the individual comments. Of course, if you want to read this thread from October of 2003, check the show notes. It's a good read. Overall, this episode was pretty split over there, which is surprising to me. This is just obviously one of those things I've always loved. So when you see that it's not perceived as well as you perceived it, you know, I, I've kind of experienced this episode in a bubble my entire life. I see what other people think of it uh, beyond, you know, I know a lot of a lot of listeners have let me know that, oh, I love this episode. So when I see people like, oh, I didn't like this one, which a lot of people are kind of hinting at in these comments, it's just shocking to me and and kind of uh, mind blowing in a way when when your worldview isn't uh, confirmed sometimes. But yeah, kind of split on the the Toon Zone forum back in the day. That's all right. I love this one. Moving on to my thoughts. Uh, as I said up top, I, I, I just said it. This one is one of my favorite Aqua Teen episodes. I love all the weird little references to Rush, to to music, as I did with the MCP Pants episode, of course, because that was another highly music-based episode. But unlike the Super Sirloin episode, which did have a new great original song, this episode, it had a song, but it was a strong episode as well. Super Sirloin, of course, I wasn't a huge fan of on rewatch because it was just like a lesser MCP Pants episode. This episode, we have the song, but it's taken in a whole new direction. It's not Meatwad getting hooked on the song. It's Shake orchestrating this just awful, stupid, pointless song that is supposed to be a hit. He thinks he's going to make millions off of it, but it's just total nonsense. The episode does 
go more towards nonsense than maybe I would have liked. For example, the entire scene at the Pizzapotamus. I could probably have that changed to something more in line with the episode, but overall, I don't mind it. I have to give this one five sticks with two marshmallows on it out of five. I just have to. This has always been one of my favorite Aqua Teen episodes. I love the humor in this episode, how how they don't do anything scandalous or, or violent or anything overly you know crazy. It's just a really weird and strange episode. Of course, there is some violence in it. Shake does get, you know, struck with the guitar. Zach Wilde does explode, but nothing like Revenge of the Trees where Carl's flesh is getting ripped off. And later on in the show's run when you see more gore, I guess that's a better word for it. There's really, they didn't have to resort to gore to make it kind of a shocking, strange episode. But yeah, also we get the tree wizard who will come back. We get just all sorts of fun stuff. Boxy Brown is back, which is, you know, a character I loved as a kid. So I really don't have any any strong complaints about this one. Just always been one of my favorites, and I hope you like this one as well. If you would like to hear the Dana Snyder version of him singing the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song, do check uh, one of the first episodes I put out. I think it was like the seventh episode I put out about my 28th birthday. It was like a really short episode that week. I play that version of it at the end because it was my birthday. So I played the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. That episode came out in September of 2021. So if you'd like to hear that, go back to that episode and take a listen. Otherwise, at the end of this episode, our credits are different here. We have some banjo music with some shredding over the top. So I'll play that after, you know, everything else in this episode. I'll play that at the very end of that uh, just fun outro music. Otherwise, on the volume... 3 DVD, they do include three versions of the Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary song, the version played in the episode with Matt Malero, the Dana Snyder version, and then one without any vocals on it that you could uh, do a karaoke version and, and sing yourself. So that's it for me this week. If you like what I'm doing over here, if you appreciate the show, please consider signing up and supporting the show over on patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. Or if you can't do that, just talking about the show, tweeting about the show. If you're in any Aqua Teen fan groups, mentioning the show there, it helps out a lot. Of course, shout outs to our number one in the Hoodgy tier patrons, the top tier supporters of the show, Sean, Ian, Josh, Keenan, Hope to Dope, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, and Carl. You guys can explode my children's establishment any day of the week. I'll see you all next week where we will be diving into the second Aquadonk side piece, the Brood Rap as well as over on the Patreon feed, continuing on with the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theater coverage. Hey, take it easy.